Welcome to the Relentless Grace Podcast. This church has left the building. Your host is Pastor Paula Mamel. Welcome to Relentless Grace, a podcast for people who are seeking an authentic, unbridled faith connection with Jesus that is relevant in the 21st century. Whether you have been bruised by organized religion and walked away, or are still engaged but looking for a way to deepen your spiritual journey, Relentless Grace is a podcast to connect with your spirit. Each week, I try to make connections between the timeless Word of God and the reality of our everyday lives through reflections on the Word and ways to implement your faith in your daily life. This show is seeking to provide a re-communion of seekers, doubters, stayers, and leavers with the power of the Holy Spirit outside the walls of a congregation. This church has left the building. Today on Relentless Grace, we are focusing on the section of the Lord's Prayer, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus came with one mission and one purpose, to forgive sins, to forgive us and to extend God's relentless grace to us. And Jesus knew that when we are able to forgive sins in the way that we have been forgiven, that we will have so much more energy to live the life that God desires for us. A life full of energy devoted toward that which is life-giving, which is uplifting, rather than being drawn down by negativity and pain and brokenness. Accepting our forgiveness and learning to live as forgiven people allows us to accept the relentless grace of God and have the agency and the power that God intends for us to live full, rich, meaningful lives. Forgiveness is a matter of life or death. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Matthew 18, 21-35 Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, Not seven times, but I tell you, seventy-seven times. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, the Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all of his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. And his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused, and he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their lord all that had taken place. Then his lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly father will also do to every one of you 
if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This part of the Lord's Prayer, I really believe, is the crux of the entire prayer, the centerpiece, the place to which everything else flows into and out of which everything flows. Because forgiveness is not only the center of the Lord's Prayer, it is the center of Jesus' mission. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to forgive sin. When the world was created, it was good and perfect and wonderful. And then people broke away from God and the world was undone. It became a place of sorrow and death. And God, God continued to want the world to be good, to be full of the light and the hope that God desired. That's what I talked about in the section on God's will. That's God's will for the world. And so God did everything possible to get the world back to the way it was. God used do-overs like Noah, which immediately went awry, relationships like Abraham and Sarah, which the humans failed to fulfill, rules like Moses and the Ten Commandments, which the people immediately broke, kings like David, who was considered the good one even though he was a rapist and a murderer and used prophets to threaten people. And none of those things worked to bring things back to the way God intended. And so God sent Jesus. And Jesus had one purpose, to bridge the gap between us and God. And the way that Jesus bridged that gap was to offer forgiveness, to come into the world and to say, you have fallen short of God, Because in order to get into God's glory based on what you have done, you need to be perfect, and you're not going to be perfect. But I offer you forgiveness. I offer you love. I offer you grace. And the response that people had to that message of Jesus, that message of love and forgiveness, was to kill him. Because it made the leaders so irate. Who does he think he is? Why is he forgiving us? Who does he think he is that he can forgive us? We are following all the rules. We are the righteous ones. And so, in response to that, in response to their absolute outrage that he would have the audacity to come and offer them forgiveness, they had him killed. We had him killed because we are part of that. People who don't often acknowledge our need for grace and what we do wrong. Jesus came to offer forgiveness and rather than accept it, We turned on it with our defensiveness, with our perfectionism, with our desire to be in control. And yet on the cross, Jesus continued to say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. He continued to offer that love from God, the love that comes from forgiveness, from recognizing that we we aren't perfect and we don't have to be perfect because we have God and God's love to embrace us and to love us. And on the cross, Jesus continued to extend that. And then when he rose from the dead, he said, death is not going to keep me from forgiving you. Death is not going to keep me from completing my mission and bridging that gap between you and God. I love you. You are people who need my grace, my amazing grace in order to survive. And as a result of that, 
As a result of that amazing grace, I am giving you the greatest gift of all. Yes, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but thanks be to God for the grace of God which is extended to each one of you. That is why Jesus came. That is what Jesus' purpose was, to offer forgiveness, to offer that life. And so the center of this prayer is that core, but it doesn't just say, forgive us our sins. It's not just asking for forgiveness. It ties it into how we forgive others. And you might think, well, that's a bait and switch. What do you mean? Why did Jesus put that in there? Was Jesus trying to catch us? Gotcha. If you don't do that, I'm going to damn you. I don't think so. I think that Jesus put that in there because Jesus knew the incredible gift that comes when we are able to offer forgiveness. When we are able to offer to others the grace that we have received. And that really is what happens when we forgive others as we have been forgiven. Now, I'm going to put a caveat here. This passage has been used repeatedly to justify abuse, terrible behavior, and staying in dysfunctional situations. That is not what I am talking about. I am not talking about continually to forgive someone who treats you horribly and putting yourself in a position to continue to be victimized. The word forgiveness is tied to repentance. Repentance in Greek is metanoia, which means to change direction. In confirmation, I used to illustrate this by pounding a child. I'd ask their permission first, and I, I wouldn't hit that hard, but I'd like hit on their shoulder and I'd go, yeah, I'm really sorry I'm hitting you. I feel bad about it. Will you forgive me for it? And they'll kind of look at me. I say, you know, you forgive me for hitting you? And they'll say, well, yeah. And then I keep hitting. And I say, oh, that feels good. I'm glad you're forgiving me for it. And then I pull my hand away and I'd say, do you buy what I said? And they said, no. Well, why? Because you kept hitting me. That's the caveat here. We are not talking about allowing someone to continue to hurt you. But the good thing about forgiveness for us is that it releases us from our own need to think that we need to save ourselves. Because to receive forgiveness, we have to acknowledge that we are sinful, that we make mistakes, that we fall down. We have to acknowledge our own culpability and brokenness as we let go and allow God's forgiveness to soak in. And when we forgive others, we too are given a gift a gift of not holding on to something that is going to drag us down, that is going to cause us pain, that is going to create trouble in our lives. This is a topic to which I return frequently, because as Luther said, a song well sung may be repeated. We can say the same thing over and over again because the verse is good. Forgiveness is for our sake. It is the ability to take ownership of our story and not let it be defined by what someone did to us. To not remain in that victim mode that we cannot rise above because they did that to me and because they did that to me, I will never move past that and I can hold on to that pain and that righteousness and that injustice and just make it my own little world where, where I'm going to hold on to it and not let go and and in the process, I develop this narrative in my life that takes hold of my life and doesn't actually let me live my life. 
Now, I know when I hold on to something, when I refuse to let go, when I perseverate, when I get stuck, well, then, then I am not defining my life by grace and love, but rather by resentment and anger. The most powerful thing I ever read about forgiveness, I read the morning after my late ex-husband died. My late ex-husband died of alcoholism. We had been divorced for seven years. But the night that he died, I had a hunch that it was the night. I went to the nursing home where he was, and I spent time with him, and I prayed with him, and I told him I was sorry, and I told him I forgave him. He wasn't able to respond, but a tear formed in his eye, and I wiped that tear away. And then I told him I'd leave at eight if he wanted me to be there when he died. And he died at 7.59, while I was holding his hand. Our marriage had ended in divorce, but in the end, for my children, they know that their father died holding their mother's hands. In the end, it was defined by forgiveness. I tell you this story not because I am some kind of superhero, and I probably have told this story before, but because of the grace and the goodness of God. God's ability to provide a place for forgiveness. God's ability to show me that by letting go of my anger and my hurt, I was able to find peace. The next morning, I get a regular devotional from Henry Nowen, and that devotional the next morning said, Forgiving does not mean forgetting. When we forgive a person, the memory of the wound might stay with us for a long time, even throughout our lives. Sometimes we carry the memory of our bodies as a visible sign. But forgiveness changes the way we remember. It converts the curse into a blessing. When we forgive our parents for their divorce, our children for their lack of attention, our friends for their unfaithfulness in crisis, our doctors for their ill advice, we no longer have to experience ourselves as the victims of events we had no control over. Forgiveness allows us to claim our own power and not let these events destroy us. It enables them to become events that deepen the wisdom of our hearts. Forgiveness indeed heals memories. I know the places where I have been able to forgive. I have been able to heal memories. I have been able to do what Nowen describes here. And I think that's what Jesus was getting at when he told us to forgive as we have been forgiven. That we are able, in our own lives, in our own experiences, to find the goodness that God desires for us. To find that wholeness and that peace that passes understanding. Forgiveness is at the core of this prayer and the core of Jesus' mission because it is at the core of our lives. It is through grace that we have been saved. And when we extend that grace to others, we are able to live into the love of God more fully and completely. I don't believe that in heaven there's this little divine checkmark that says, well, if they forgive that, then this is forgiven, like it's a quid pro quo. That's not how God works. We have been forgiven. We have been set free. And our prayer in this prayer is to learn to offer that to others. Not for their sake, but for ours. 
to heal our memories, to let go. Again, not allowing yourselves to be used and misused. That's not what this is about. But to find the wholeness and to live into the amazing grace that God has given us and has in store for us when we let go and let God's grace define us. Amen. Connection. I want to focus on how we forgive and where we struggle with forgiveness. Sometimes forgiveness is really, really hard. We have trouble letting go of those things that just get under our skin. And so I am going to suggest an exercise that I think can help get to the core of some of the issues that we struggle with with forgiving. I'd like you to take a piece of paper, and on that piece of paper, I want you to write down those things that you really, really struggle to forgive. Now, I'm not talking about corporate sinfulness. There are things like racism, homophobia, things like that that we know are wrong. 
but I'm talking about sins and personalized sinfulness that you have trouble letting go of, those places where you hold grudges. Maybe it's mean-spiritedness. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's someone who has done something to someone you love. But you are just really struggling to let go of it and move past it. And I want you to take a piece of paper and write down those kinds of things that you really, really struggle to let go of. And again, not the ones that are keeping on pounding on your shoulder and keep on doing it, but just the things you just can't let go of. Not the names, but the characteristics. What is it about those people that you just can't let go of? And then I want you to look at that list again and ask yourself honestly, have you ever been guilty of those sins? Have you ever done those things? Because the reality is, for many of us, often what we have the most trouble letting go of are those things that we really struggle with within ourselves. The trouble with forgiveness is that we have to acknowledge our own sinfulness in letting go of the sin of others. We have to acknowledge that. And when we look at those things that we have trouble letting go of, are things that we can't forgive ourselves for, that they're part of who we are. That's hard. This is hard stuff. I know in my life that the people who take up the most headspace, (laughs) they're often the most like me. And that's not easy to see. And that's not easy to say. But the reality is identifying that and then looking within ourselves and letting go of that within ourselves, giving ourselves that grace, allows it to become easier to extend that to someone else. It's easier to connect and care for another person in that way if we can look in the mirror and tell ourselves, yeah, that, that's part of who I am. That's part of my identity, and I need to own that. And then I need to see that others are like that, and that's okay, and not let it totally destroy us. Because, as the old saying goes, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, giving someone rent in your head for free. There are tons of phrases like that, but they're true. And the idea of writing down those people, those individuals, those characteristics that we have trouble letting go of, and this is a deep dive emotionally and spiritually, but it is a transformative one. It can free us to be honest about ourselves and say, okay, okay, this is who I am, and I'm going to work on that, but God has forgiven me. And if God can do that to me, I can maybe cut others a little slack too. Imagine all we could do if we let go of the headspace that we provide for others. Imagine what we could do if we could just forgive others the way we have been forgiven. The serenity prayer says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. For serenity, I invite you to consider this prayer. God, grant me the serenity to believe and accept that you forgive me and love me. Give me the courage to forgive as I have been forgiven, the strength to release others as I have been set free, and the grace to love as I have been loved by you. When we're able to do that, we are able, I think, to have so much more energy to living the life that God intends for us.
Thank you for joining me today for this episode of Relentless Grace. As always, if you appreciate this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others. There are times when I think, hmm, I wish I would have started at this point because I feel like the podcast is getting better. And so if you know someone who maybe listened at the beginning, encourage them to listen again and let others know about it. My goal is that this becomes a ministry that connects with as many people as possible. Also, if you are willing to support this ministry, I deeply appreciate it. You may do so by sponsoring me on Patreon. There is a link on the show notes. Or you can Venmo me at PV Mamel, or send a check by reaching out at relentlessgracepodcast at gmail.com, and I can give you information about how to do that. It's always awkward to ask for funds, but also there are expenses related to doing the podcast, and I am grateful for that support. Thanks to Dan McKnight, the announcer, Kathy Roars, who read today, Cami Wenberg, who sang Amazing Grace, and Ruth Skinner, who sings our closing song. I send you out with a blessing. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song. And all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May you know the blessing of God and the joy that results from the relentless grace our Lord gives you when you are forgiven. And may you know the joy that comes when you release others and find the freedom that comes for you when you forgive. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and all the trees of the field will clap will clap their hands and all the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the field will clap their hands the trees of the